Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Pretty Mental, welcome back. We love you. We are happy you are here with us, family. What is up, Pretty Mental family? We are so excited to begin the year with you. It oh my is God. official. <laughs> happy New <laughs> it Year. Is, it is officially 2022, which is such a cool number if you're into numerology at all. Um, the twos are all about the other and community. So, oh. Here we are together getting it going. It's the triple two. Um, and in this conversation, we got all into how we can liberate ourselves into greater and greater authenticity by embracing imperfection. There's so many aspects to that conversation, which you'll just have to tune in for. We exposed but Paula's embarrassing moments <laughs> back to back. An, <laughs> they're endless. All right, there's so many things that my brain can come up with uh, to be embarrassed about. But you know what? You got to meet it with some humor because it is funny when you really when you start talking about it. It's actually hilarious. A lot of the things that we get hung up on. So we get all into embracing imperfection. And we actually also spent some time unpacking narcissism for you guys in a very real way and narcissistic relationships and how if you don't know how to recognize them, they can very much diminish you over time. So those are the main things that we unpacked today. We love you guys. I think you're really gonna get some value out of this one. And if you love it, share it with your community, share it with someone who may benefit from it. Like us, share us, subscribe to us review us, give us the stars. This is how we spread far and wide. And it actually worked. Our words are working, Paula, because we got one more <laughs> review on Apple Podcasts. So oh, thank really? you. yes, thank you to whoever did that. We love you. Yeah, <laughs> this is how this is the only way that we can work with the algorithms. And we are here to spread these words far and wide. So if it helps you, chances are that there's something that we're going to say that's going to help someone else, you know, and I think obviously this doesn't replace therapy or, you know, whatever your healing modality is, but it definitely, it can, I, it helps. I mean, you, you can start getting, I, I, I think that in these conversations, part of our intention has always been to introduce you guys to as many of these therapeutic concepts as possible so that you're an informed consumer. And so you're not alone. You know, some of the things that we've spoken about too, we, and that you've said, I'm like, I would have felt broken my whole life had I not someone, like if you didn't expose me to that kind of thing, I thought I was just weak. I thought whatever, 
So you're not alone. And our goal is for to be a friend with people during this time. And as we move forward. Yeah. All right. For sure. Mental fam. With that, take in a deep breath with us. And tune in. We open ourselves up, calling in our higher selves, calling in our hearts, calling in our throats, calling in all of the energies that walk with us in this lifetime. Guide us in surrendering and trusting in the flow of whatever this conversation holds. Guide us into opening up, into opening up our hearts as we invite in deeper healing, as we come home to ourselves in this moment and every moment after. We open ourselves up to whatever wants to come through, asking for support, for guidance, to move any stagnant energy that is in our bodies. May we open ourselves up fully for the highest healing of ourselves, our community, everyone they come in contact with, and for the highest healing of the planet. Knowing that we are not alone in this, knowing that this journey is something that we are all doing together, that we are all co-creating together, a journey where we are helping each other liberate ourselves. May we show up in our full authenticity. And may our community feel the safety to do the same. The portal is now open. Hello. Who is that, Callie or Kai? It's Callie. Hello. People Callie's who are not the- on YouTube, that's her cat. Ali is uh, <laughs> Huntina said that with you better come find us on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, Callie's the lab kitty. It's so funny. She loves she loves being on laps. Oh, really? Yeah, it's so cute. That's cute. That's cute. And could get annoying because Lenny <laughs> used to do that every time I would be working or doing something. And I'm like, can you not? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I love it. I never get tired of it. It's wow. crazy. Really? I know I'm, I don't understand the love I have for cats, for these animals. That's amazing. <laughs> Did you watch my little, yeah, you watched my little 2021 reel. Yeah. Um, and I was laughing at myself because I think the first half of it or third of it was all cats. <laughs> I've only been like that with Bella. Like Bella could do no wrong. Bella was oh, the, foster, yeah. the foster animal that I ended up keeping. She could do anything and everything, anything and everything. Like she could pee on my bed and I would be like, no, mama, you just had to pee. <laughs> Anyone else? I'd be like, get out of my face. Get out of my home. <laughs> That's crazy. I wonder why Bella brought that out of you so successfully. I don't know, man. She just felt like my little spirit. She was my soulmate. She is one of my soulmates for sure. She is in this lifetime. Your soulmates, I believe we have multiple soulmates and I believe that they can take the form of 
anything, any being. Yeah. That's crazy. It must have been hard for you to not have her by your side then. It was hard, but when we parted ways, so little background, there was a, when I was like 20, I don't know how old I was, mid or early 20s. I moved back in with my parents for like, I don't know how long, a year maybe. I don't know. Um, And when I was there, Bella got a, she formed a really strong relationship with my mom Mm. and with the animals that were there. Oh, yeah. And when it was time for me to go, I had been seeing how she followed my mom all over the house and how she cuddled with all the animals and she had a big backyard to play in. So I'm like, it's like a mom who gives their daughter up for adoption or their child. That's like, I could never do you as right as them, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, damn, I could cuddle her all day and I could give her all the love. But at the end of the day, like I'm trying to make a life for myself and I just squeeze her in wherever I can between jobs and between school and between anything and everything, you know, whereas like here she could lay out on her little belly all day in the grass with my parents. Yeah. And then I whispered in her ear. I was like, and now it's time for you to take care of my mom. Aww. And that helped me. That helped me because she took care of me during um a breakup and a time where i was struggling really deeply with like maintaining a full-time job full-time school breakup trying to figure out who i was in this life hormones raging you know she was my everything so and then i handed her off to my mom and was like and now i pass off the baton yeah well that's a beautiful perspective on it all about perspective. Yeah. It's a good reframe. Yeah. So, you know, talking about perspective, something that, that helped a lot or something that I went through with new years that I wanted to talk about in case, you know, I'm not the only one. And I know I'm not the only one because I saw some people post about this was so on new years, I am in LA and a lot of my people were sick, like a lot and or they were out of town and I don't have family here. I don't you know, it was just me. And I feel like if it was any other day, you like I'm fine. But then the pressure of New Year's and sometimes this happens to me around birthdays, too. Um, and just like other big holidays, you don't want to feel alone. And I woke up that morning and I was like, oh, my God, like I'm really alone today. Like, am I really about to do this? from 2021 into 2022, like all by myself. And I know I'll be fine, but like, it was just, it made me feel really lonely. Yeah. What do you, what's the hardest part of that for you? Is it just the feeling of loneliness or? It was just the feeling of loneliness. Like I wanted, you know, I knew people around me. I knew that they were celebrating with their friends and I'm like, man, like they have people that they can celebrate with. I know that the only reason I can't celebrate with my people is because they're not here, you know, um, not, not that I felt like I didn't have anyone, but a part of me kind of felt like if I had more, you know, like why it just makes you, I just felt alone. I just felt alone. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I want to celebrate this with someone. I don't want to be in bed counting down the clock to midnight feeling like it's just me. And then going to bed like a regular night. Yeah. We're such social beings. Yeah. 
think the first thing that comes up for me is when I, when I've been in moments like that, there's a part of me that is, it's not even, it's not just the loneliness of those moments, but then also kind of like the comparison or the feelings of, um, feeling secretly internally embarrassed. Yeah. I did feel that. I did. did. I I had someone who, who was in my life and they were like, so are you spending this with anyone? And I'm like, I'm not a loner. I promise. (laughs) And, And I know I don't feel that, but even just like saying it out loud, I was like, damn, you know, like, yeah, there was definitely a little bit of, for me, some shame came up for me as well, because for so long, I, this is something I'm currently unpacking. So it's still not very processed and a little bit raw, but okay. There's a lot of moving pieces in my head right now. You're going to have to really pay attention to me so you can help me tie them together. (laughs) Okay. I'm sure it'll. Okay. So something that is also coming up for me right now is that I was always aware that I protected myself really strongly, or at least I, like, I knew that I did that. I didn't really understand why I always had this deep, deep protection of myself and I wouldn't really allow many people in and I wouldn't seek friends. Like I wouldn't actively seek community. I kind of just waited till they would come around. And even if they did, I would be too busy to hang out. And it was just too overwhelming for me to be around people most of the time. And I, I'm thinking back, I was having a conversation with some friends yesterday and we were talking about how, um, narcissism and one of, one of my friends was talking about a partner that she was with that. I mean, on paper, like I am no psychotherapist, psychiatrist, but pretty, I mean, he had like every quality of a narcissist and she it started making like really hitting home the relationships that I was in with some friends Mm -hmm. growing up. And it, it, it felt like one of the things was like, they, you know, someone who is narcissistic will kind of tear you down in only a way that they can build you back up. Mm -hmm. And just more of the things that she started saying, which you can go deeper on because obviously you're a psychotherapist and you know more than I do on this, but it made me get, like, I started getting really angry and I was like, I'm now in a place where I'm inviting in more community into my life and it feels really good and it feels safe. Like I'm ready for it. And it made me really angry that I am only now doing it. And that for so long, I felt this need that I wasn't even completely conscious of to protect myself from friendships. It was never in relationships and romantic relationships. It really only happened in friendships. And it, yeah, it was like, I really just missed out on age from age, like four to 27. I I have spent not really like getting in dynamics with people where I like they have a certain control over me and I end up, you know, I don't like feeding them or like energetically or whatever. I get in these like very emotional, abusive situations. And then when everyone around me would try to tell me like, you don't see that you're 
being put down in very like in a ton of ways right now, my main instinct would be to protect my friend. My main instinct would be to shun everyone around me and be like, you, you know, don't judge them. You don't know them. You can't talk about them like that. You like that. You don't know what they've been through. And I would further protect them, protect them. And and they were slowing me, slowly tearing me down along the way. And this isn't like a a blamey situation because at the end of the day, I do believe everything that I've learned is, is here for me. It's here for, to help me help my clients to help myself. You know, it just, I work with what I have at this point, but I, there's this anger that is like bubbling inside of me because like, how the fuck did I get in all these dynamics for so long? <laughs> like, why did I, and then I was, I was taught my friend, that same friend when I was saying, I was like, yeah, for so long, you know, I, I, I felt the need to like protect myself. And she's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, you've seen this too. Like, and she was just like, yeah, like you really, and she's the one, one of my, you know, few friends from when I was growing up that was never, she actually got in situations like that with we were on we're both on the other side. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, so she was saying, yeah, I know. Kind of saying that. Yeah, I've seen that in you. Yeah. Like she oh, was okay. like, I know, girl. Hello. I've been trying to tell you this. And I've had other people in my life try to tell me that that exact same thing. Try to point out to me when someone else is doing me wrong and trying to point out to me when I am like hiding myself and not allowing people in. But and, and I've always like kind of understood it, but never to the never to the consciousness that I have on it right now. I wonder what's helping you have that consciousness. Like, I wonder what you even think about now that you are having that. I guess there's a two part question. One, what's helping you have that consciousness now? And now that you have that consciousness, what do you what are you able to understand about why you wanted to protect people that were putting you down or mistreating you. Yeah. So to answer the second part first, my, more than anything, I just wanted to have, um, basically the same, what, um, Abigail said on our last podcast about how connection over authenticity. Oh yeah. In order for survival. Like that is, we will abandon our authenticity in order to have connection in order to survive. And when I think about my friends, like I yeah. remember like feeling like, no, that, that's my friend. Like th- that was my connection. That was my, that was like my only lifeline to having an stop, like a connection with someone and connection is really important, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, they're, they make me feel good at least like every now and then. And the parts that they don't make, like when they don't make me feel good, I'll just squash it and suppress it within myself. So I don't see that and continue to connect with them. Mm-hmm. And when they put me down, I'll just, you know, understand that that's, you know, make excuses for them and then squash that in so I can continue to connect with them. But before I it, knew it, I was like, I felt like I had like fucking bricks on my shoulders. And like my only job was to protect these people. I think that one of those dynamics started so young for you. Yeah. And that my theory on that is that it kind of like introduced you to this is just how friendships are. I think so, because one of the one of the first friends that I can remember ever having, you know, from when I could like walk and talk. um, It was. 
I'm trying to like figure out ways to talk about this and not, you know, they, their family was extremely emotionally abusive. Yeah. Extremely to me and to their children. Yeah. And if you don't know any better, if, and you get into the hands of people that are emotionally abusive and you don't know any better, you're kind of screwed. And my, because the, the, what often happens is, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but what often happens is, um, intermittent reinforcement is part and parcel of that emotional abuse, Yes, which is there's moments that we want to love on you extra. And there's moments that we're all going to be very connected and they may not be thinking this through consciously. Like there's different levels of narcissism for sure. I think sometimes when we talk about narcissism, a lot of people assume it's like, oh, narcissistic personality disorder, where it's a really intentional manipulative scheme of, of control and squashing people. And that's a very small percentage of yeah. the population. The majority of people. <laughs> My cat just threw me off. She just took Paula's Second. headphones out of her ears. For those who are not on YouTube. The majority of people have inherited um, narcissistic relational patterns. Yeah. From their families and to different extents, depending on their type of temperament. And they continue to pass down the abuse that they experience. And it's not necessarily intentional, but like right. everybody, most people want that connection. Most people want connection, but a lot of people on our planet learned that connection isn't always possible, but control might be. So if I can control the situation, if I can control you, then I can still keep this, this person nearby, which is kind of a, a replacement for authentic connection. And so when you are in those dynamics, you often experience that like you're connecting and you're spending time together and you're having really good moments together. And then they mistreat you because connection is not like the ultimate thing. Like in the moment where they feel threatened or in the moment where their needs supersede yours, like if connection is a primary need in right. relationship, I mean, if control is a primary need, if control has become the primary need in relationship, the moment that your needs are not aligned with theirs, it's no longer about like, let's find a compromise. Let's, let's make sure that connection stays at the forefront. It's control. It's like, okay, well, how can I put you down? How do I kind of keep some supremacy in this relationship while not losing you because you also feed me a lot of my worth. Every time that you look for me, every time you reach out to me, every time that you want to spend time with me, that makes me feel valued, which I think all of us can relate to that. Every time that friends reach out to us or people want to spend time with us, it makes us feel valued. Um, but when there's more of a narcissistic energy, it's like, you don't get to take that away from me. Like you're kind of like my supply now. So if you want to have your own needs or you want to have boundaries or you want to disagree with me, I'm going to punish you or put you down. But then when you act right, I'm going to love on you so deeply. And so that starts conditioning you to quote unquote act right. 
mm-hmm. starts conditioning you to show up for them even more, make your needs even smaller so that you don't get that other side of them to come out. It's like your main goal. And my main goal soon became just to be accepted. As long as I was accepted and they would continue accepting me, that's all I cared about. Yeah. As long as you can let me still come over and like be in your house, that means I'm still like worthy. I can keep going. Yeah. Because if somebody has the power to punish you um, and take away your needs or your rights, then they also have the power to give them back to you, especially when you're in a vulnerable mindset, when you're a child um, or when you're in love and you don't know that these kinds of dynamics exist. And, and as a human being, you seek that instinctive drive for connection. You seek that bond and you don't expect somebody to put you down if that's not part of your temperament. It's kind of like a shock. So it's like, then you don't even know how to make sense of it yourself. You're just like, I don't really understand what happened, but I do know that when I give them what they want and when I act just right and I make them feel special, I get that love in return. So I'm just going to make myself one dimensional as much as possible and just try to give that out. And whatever parts of me have needs that could contradict theirs, I'm going to keep that in the background because I don't want to experience the break in connection and I don't want to experience being punished. So I'm just going to do show up in the best way possible to keep them happy and love on them even more. And like you just start disappearing over time. And it continue, it just reinforces that dynamic. And mm-hmm. also with the interference, intermittent reinforcement piece, when somebody gives and takes away love intermittently, it becomes an, it becomes addictive because when they take it away, it's like, oh, what happened? Like you're in shock just because yeah. we have that attachment need. And then at any moment they give it back and because it was just taken away when they give it back, it feels that much better. And then they take it away unexpectedly again and give it back unexpectedly again. So then you don't really know when you're going to get it or not get it. So you keep showing up in the best way possible to try to get it. It becomes like a high, it becomes like a drug source almost there. So over time, I think you can see how they kind of chip away at you little by little by little until you, you almost depend on their acceptance as, as like a drug supply. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think this can also happen in any situation where there's like a power dynamic where someone yeah. may have a little bit of power over you just because of if it, it's in your career or, you know, yeah, anything or, else. Yeah. Or parental figures. Mm-hmm. And I, in my, in my situation, this was someone who they gave me a lot of love. We were new to this country. We moved here from Colombia when I was four and they gave me a lot of love. They fed me. They (laughs) took me on vacations with them. They, you know, loved on me. And then on, and like in the same hand, what is that expression? I don't fucking know. Yeah. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. Y'all know what I mean. (laughs) On the other side of that, they also fully, I mean, 
I, I don't love to use these, these phrases so often like diagnosing people, but I'm like, it just is what it is. They emotionally abuse me and their children. Yeah. And I got in situations where like, I just wanted to already being an immigrant. I wanted to, like, I didn't feel like I belonged here. I didn't feel I very, like, I knew there was a difference between them and me. And I felt like they, people who were from here were already better than us. You know, they had more money. They had more, they were more well off there, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so then here I am in this dynamic of, you know, if they accept me, I'll feel better. Mm -hmm. And, and that relationship, you know, after a, a long time, I finally got out of it. And then after that, I got into another one and then another one and then another one. And it was the same thing back to back until finally, I literally would not hang out with anyone. And I blocked everyone out of my life. And I didn't know why, like I was doing this stuff without even knowing why, right? Like I wasn't blocking people out because I consciously knew it's not safe to be around people. I just knew that my body was tired and I just was tired of being in friendships. Yeah. And I needed to protect myself. Yeah. You kind of, I guess the conditioning there would have been, I'm not allowed to have needs if I'm going to stay in connection. Yes. So then right. at some point, if I want to have needs, then I guess I can't be with people. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was the rule system that your psyche came up with. Yeah. I, it just didn't feel safe. It didn't feel safe because being friend in friendships didn't feel good. Yeah. So, so I'm like, it's better off to just lock myself up in my room, which I did for many, many years. And I would not, because my needs were never respected from a young age. Mm -hmm. I, and you know, like my parents did the best they could, but I would spend the majority of my time with other families and other friends too. Just yeah. being like the little social butterfly that I was until finally I was completely drained and then locked myself in the house. Yeah. So, and then also at the same time, like my parents would try to protect me and they would try to be like, what is like, don't go over there if you're, if they're doing that to you. And I would fight and fight and fight and be like, no, no. Like you, you are, you are already addicted. I was, you didn't yeah. even know. You didn't know no. that that brain, that that brainwashing had taken place. Like, how would you no. know you were, you're so young and unless somebody tells you, and also, like, I do believe that some people are born with more of a fight yeah. instinct than others. Some people are born with more of a gentleness. Yeah, to me. Yeah. And like, I was the latter, for sure. And I remember yeah. being, I remember going out to dinner with the family and, or the, we were about to go out to dinner and I didn't want to go in case that this friend would call me while we were gone. Like, and that's, that's how, what happens. That's what happens with like in crazy. romantic relationships that have that pattern too. And the entire time that we would be at dinner, I'd be like, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I want to go. Like, and I would just, I was miserable to be around my parents at the end of the day. Like, like we can't take her out anymore. Cause all she wants to do is wait for this friend to call her. Mm -hmm. Hold and on, it I'm became turning on the lights. Everyone on condo. YouTube is getting <laughs> a, the MTV cribs, pretty mental edition. <laughs> Paula's home. Like it's getting way too dark in here. I look like a little shadowy thing. Okay. Um, yeah. That's what happens. You were just like waiting, waiting, waiting. Yeah. And yeah. So then whatever. So now I'm realizing I'm like, God damn it. Now that I feel safe enough and I've built myself up enough where I feel like I can claim my needs. 
I don't feel like I depend on anyone for my happiness. I feel accepted all on my own. You know, I've, I've built myself up. So now I feel safe enough to really open myself up to community. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, now I've woken up to everything that I did go through yeah. and I feel resentment and I'm like annoyed that all these back to like the new years, like I couldn't help but think of that. I'm like, I've kept my friendship circles and I kind of like to keep them small anyway. It's not like I, you know, I like intimate groups. I'm not yeah. trying to have a million and one friends, but I have been limited in my ability to socially connect with people. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm tired of being alone. I'm tired of being alone. And I know that my instincts when I was from my natural instincts are to be super social and to love on people and to open up. But I've spent such a long time protecting myself because I did not know how to stay safe in relationships. Yeah. So I was pissed. From a family systems perspective, it's kind of like there is a part of you that just learn to protect you by isolating you like an inner protective part that was just like, okay, no other adult and no, like your higher self isn't coming into the picture to save us from this. So it's almost like an inner young child that says like, we're just going to cut off your connection then. Um, but once it sees that you're willing to, that you're in a better position to actually advocate for your needs that you can be like, look, I know you want me to stay isolated because I know this is how you learn to protect me, but let me show you that we can be in connection and I'm going to, sp- I promise you that I'm going to speak up for my needs. Mm-hmm. And I promise you that when someone puts me, tries to put me down, I'm not going to make that okay. Mm-hmm. So just like, trust me on this one. And we're going to walk in that direction. And you can kind of negotiate with those parts to let you take steps in that direction. Once you start waking up to what's happening. Yeah. And that's fully why. So to answer the first question that you asked, you know, like, I think, was it like, how did I get to this point? Yeah. Was, you know, how we can start doing the things that you just said, like start negotiating with that part that's trying to protect you and and prove to yourself that you'll be okay. I believe that the really the only way to do that is through having, you know, things like breath work, therapy, thing, grounding practices that help you come back home to yourself and reclaim your power. And doing the, the tough things of really promising to not abandon yourself. And when I walked away from, I've, I've broken off friendships, I've broken off relationships. And in those, that was like a declaration to myself of, even though I'll never stop loving, like I just won't but I had to walk away from my own good. And when I could walk away from them and then prove to myself that I'm still whole without them, that helps, that has helped me build my own confidence that I don't need that. My, my power is not external. My power is internal and knowing that I will be okay. You know, that's what's taking me to this place. And just to normalize when you're saying that now that you've realized that and that you're in a better place, now you feel anger. That's so common. Mm -hmm. That's such a common next step of waking up to the fact that you encountered any kind of narcissistic abuse or abuse of any kind. I mean, I don't know what abuse is not narcissistic abuse. I think they're similar things. Um, It's hard to 
tease those apart, you know, because it's like that need for con- when when control dominates connection, that's what tends to lead to abuse. And that's what narcissism is rooted in mm-hmm. is I have a deep core of shame or unworthiness deep inside of me. So there's a block to me believing that I can actually authentically connect. So what's the next best option is control. And this may not be a conscious process for people, but if you break it down, that is you chance 99% of the time, that's kind of what's happening. Um, and so when you wake up to the fact that you've been in one of those and you actually finally get out of it, when you're in it, you're just kind of in, in this back and forth of fear. And you're so scared to leave it because you become kind of addicted or brainwashed into this dynamic. You're almost like in a trance. And then once you finally step out, it's like anger. And a lot of times, sometimes people subconsciously sabotage themselves from leaving the relationship so that they don't have to come to terms with the fact that they've already allowed this for as long as they have. Explain. What so it's mean? like once I leave, I'm going to have to realize that, that this actually was a fucked up situation hmm. versus if I can just stay here and no, 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 like I'll fix it. No, no, no. I like we can work you know, through it. We can work through it. Then you never you don't really have to see that all the way. Yeah. As that- when you finally step out, you're like, oh, shit. That's something that I was thinking about the other day, too, is what has been my resistance to calling a situation that's fucked up, fucked up. (laughs) Like. I have been the queen of being like of of understanding too much of of being like. You know, of just making excuses for that situation, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of being like, no, this is actually like a really messed up situation and it actually doesn't have to be like this and you don't have to sit here and tolerate it just because you know how you know and and I I guess (laughs) I'm just throwing myself in there answering it for you yeah go ahead it goes back to that authenticity versus connection attachment thing yeah the moment you say something's fucked up you actually have to do something about it right and then that means that you have to go through the process of like living without them, forming a life on your own, getting power on your own, whatever, which looks yeah. a lot scarier than it actually is, you know, and because it, for sure, once you actually walk away from the situations, I remember when I, I had like, um, one of the situations I walked away from, my friend was like, how do you feel after that? And I was like, like, I can breathe. Like there's like, there was a thousand pounds on my back that I didn't even know was there. I feel free. I feel like I can live my life. Like I didn't even understand what kind of hold I was under. I had no idea. Cause I didn't know that I, I had to come and take my power back. The only thing I wanted to do was just love and move forward. The concept of like reclaim your power and, you know, you know, reclaim your identity. It wasn't like a thing that I thought about back then. Like all I wanted was to just feel safe with people. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. Right. And you're like, I'm going to, since your instinctive temperament is more kind of like gentleness, you were just like, I'm just going to acquiesce. Yeah. You know, 
that kind of like that saying that you hear sometimes, this is probably the shadow side of it. Do I want to be right? Or do I want to have peace? You know, like a lot of times that phrase is presented as kind of like a high moral ground, but that also has a shadow side to it. Yeah. And I was, this is, you know, if you heard the podcast, like three podcasts ago, I don't know when, but when my maintenance man went off on me and my initial instinct was to text him and be like, sorry, I hope you're okay. (laughs) I was thinking about this the other day too. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why can't I be like, that was so fucked up. Do not talk to me like that. That is not okay. Yeah. Like, I'm learning and I'm, I know that I can do this, but can it is combine. I would, can we just combine into one person? We'll be I totally know. healed. I know. <laughs> Mine is the other side of that. Like I actually, I need to, I thought I had already worked through a lot of my temperament <laughs> issues and I'm like, damn, I still can go from zero to a hundred. And then I came to town. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can still go from zero to a hundred if somebody, and I'm like, why it's the the exact opposite. Exactly. Like if we could just be (laughs) one person, we might meet in the middle. We came here to trigger each other and help (laughs) us like put a mirror up to each other of things to release and things to adapt to, you know? Yeah, for sure. At least that's what I'm telling myself with this, but Yeah. I mean, I was so mad, dude, just thinking about this again. I'm like, I'm so annoyed that my natural instinct was to apologize to the person who was literally in my face cussing at me. Yeah. And I, for what? Like I didn't, it did not, it was not proportional. His reaction was not proportional to my calm statement. Right. You know? Yeah. There is, there is intelligence to doing that while he was in your unit. Right. With the door closed. Yeah. No, that was smart. (laughs) We're not getting a a fight with this man. (laughs) No, that was smart. (laughs) But maybe, maybe texting him afterwards was overkill. Like once he was out of my sight, I would have been like, barricade this door. Never again. Call the police. Call, call the landlord. Do whatever I can. Like this guy's never stepping foot in this again. Like I I remember just to give you an example I had a job when I was in my twenties that ended in a negative way because the boss, the, the dude that was in charge of the whole (laughs) establishment was disrespectful towards me. And he was, yeah, he was, he was disrespectful in general, but the day he was disrespectful to me, (laughs) (laughs) I walked out of that place and never came back, never went back. Literally like never, I was like, never never coming back. And I went and I deleted every picture I had of ever working there. <laughs> like, that's just like what my instinct has been. It's like when things go wrong, I'm like, delete from my life forever. Bye. Lock, barricade, door, steal. Like never will you have access to my energy ever again <laughs> to a fault, you know, yeah. like, I'm like, you can't, I kind of wish I had some of those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I know. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I must've been on one. I don't even remember doing that. I, and my main thing would be like, to be like, Oh, I hope everything's going to be okay. Oh no. Like after something, 
like after I get disrespected or after I get shunned or whatever, my main thing is to feel this like empty constriction in my heart and in my throat. And like, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? Cause the only way that I'm going to be okay is like making sure that like, they're not mad at me or everything's going to be good. And now I'm not like that because where I'm at in my life now is I want to build a life that I'm super proud of that I feel really good in. I want to step continue stepping into an identity that feels really authentic to me. And the way that I'm doing that is blinders up, blinders up, you know, any kind of negativity or anyone trying to tear me down or anyone that is trying to get in the way of me aligning to the highest vibration of who I want to be in this lifetime, like step to the side. I just don't have time for that anymore. I really don't have time for that anymore. I think that was my intention with my temperament. Yeah. You know, like if you're getting in my, but actually, no, it wasn't coming from such a high vibe place. It yeah. was like, you want to come after me? I'll show you. No, for me, this is very much like, oh, we're just not aligned. Step to the side. I got to keep moving forward. Like, I wish yeah. you well, fully live your best yeah. life. And I hope that you're stepping into the highest version of you in this lifetime. But I don't have time to even entertain this shit. Like, yeah. I got to keep going. There's shit that I want to do in this lifetime. Like, I want to accomplish so much. I want to be so proud of myself. I want to prove to myself that, you know, when I see all these people who I admire that are living their best lives, you know, even if it's sure or not, at least what I'm being shown. Yeah. Like, I want to believe that that can happen for me, too. I don't want to just be like, oh, they're lucky. Yeah. Oh, they're like, why do they get to do that? And not me? No, I, I get to do that too. I get to, I get to choose who I want to be and what I want to accomplish. And I'm coming from a place of, I know that I can do that from myself. Mm -hmm. I know that I can reach into parts of me to make that happen. I know that the only thing stopping me, the only thing getting in the way of me becoming the highest version of myself and who I want to be in this lifetime is me, my fears, my blocks, my obstacles. I'm going to look at them in the face, move them to the side and keep going. I don't have time. Life is too short. Like I have shit to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't think like that when I was younger, I wasn't like, Oh, I have aspirations and goals and places I want to get to. I was just like, who's, who wants to love me? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I would like to think that I'm coming at it more from that angle now <laughs> of, of uh, we're just not vibing together. And like, there's no need for us to ex expend energy on this connection. Mm -hmm. If it's not, if it's not a conscious, if it's not a conscious connection that actually feels into me and I feel into you if it has any kind of like narcissistic edge to it, where I, you're just reaching out to me because it feels good to you to reach out to me or where it's not reciprocal. Um, I, I would like to think that I have a better handle on stepping away from those dynamics without having, without being angry or upset or hating them, like wishing, wishing them the best, but continuing on my journey as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to tie this background to the whole new year situation, I, I think the reason why I felt and maybe in the past, I would have been like, Ooh, no one can hang out tonight. I get to go to sleep early and be on my own. And then like, yes, another day dodged of not seeing people. Would you really have, I you think, think so? So I think I would have been sad, but I would have yeah. had a lot of relief as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. And now I'm like, uh, uh-uh, like I want my community. I want, I want to like, I have love to share from a healthy place, mm-hmm. you know? And so I went to the beach and I've been jumping into the ocean. How often have you been doing it? I've done it three times. In the ice cold water. It's so cold. Every time, every time I like get, walk into it and I'm to my knees, I'm always like, this has to be bad for you. This can't be healthy. I have to walk out. I thought about that too. I'm like, I could <laughs> yeah. go jump in my pool and do this thing. Our brother is like the number one proponent of ice baths. Um, like I could go jump in my pool and then I have visions of I'm like, am I going to get sick? <laughs> like, oh my God. Every backfire. Every bit of resistance tries is jumps in. I mean, it is so cold. I cannot even explain to you how cold this ocean is right now. Like numb your body. You just, I was appalled. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I every time? Why am I doing this? So cold. And then I finally, I literally talk myself through. I'm like, stay in it, Valentina, stay in it. Stay. It's the only way it is literally the only way if I have like a drill sergeant behind me of my own voice. Like there's no time for love and compassion in this moment. <laughs> like that's not like what we usually love to do. Yeah. If I'm soft with myself, my ass is going to jump right back out. If I'm soft yeah. with myself, I'm going to be like, yep, this is very uncomfortable. My body doesn't like it. I'm out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I know enough studies have been done and there's enough proof that this really helps with inflammation and immunity and health and well-being and serotonin and dopamine and like all the amazing things. So um, I allow the drill sergeant to come out because I'm like, how long are you supposed to stay in there? I don't know. As long as you, well, I would say as long as you can, because I don't think you're going to be in there for like crazy amounts of time, you know? Um, and yeah. So when I'm out there, I'm like, oh, Tina, stay in it, stay in it. You got this. You can do this. You can do this. You can do them. It's like the whole time. I'm like, dip, go under, dip now, do it. And I'm like, when this wave comes, like every time I have to talk myself through it and then I go under and I'm like, And then this like heat rushes in your body and energy rushes. And then if you can just dip again and stay out there even longer, then you're like, you just feel so alive and you feel it really strengthens my own trust and my abilities to do things that don't feel good Mm. in a healthy way. You know, Mm -hmm. there's other things that don't feel good that listen to your gut, listen to your instinct. But this, I know there's enough proof, you know? that I'm like, I can, I can do this thing that I like really am resisting and I can feel really good on the outs on the, the end of it. Yeah. And and it feels good to prove that to myself. Yeah. That I, I think it's so important that you're bringing this up because a trend in the mental health world and spiritual development world has been that very gentle, loving, like, take it easy, always kind of ease, should always be part of the process. Um, And I think that there's a place for that, for sure. And there's also a place for this that you're describing, which is a form of exposure therapy, which is about increasing your threshold for what's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. at the same time. It's such a dance and everybody needs to figure out what that dance is for them. But if we don't increase our threshold for discomfort, we don't really get a chance to self-actualize. Right. We don't because 
naturally as human beings, we have that survival instinct. And, and in this modern world, our comfort zones have become so little that anything outside of that comfort zone is viewed as a threat to your survival instinct. And if you never challenge that comfort zone, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's how you end up with an anxiety disorder. There's multiple ways to end up with an anxiety disorder, but that's one of the main drivers of it is a smaller and smaller comfort zone. So anything outside of it is a threat to you. And if you just listen to that and you never challenge it, it ends up controlling your life. So at mm -hmm. some point, part of this healing, there has to be play, a place in this healing process for being uncomfortable. Yeah, like It's not just like, oh, I'm going to practice my boundaries when it feels okay. It's, it's still uncomfortable to practice boundaries. Yeah. The most growing I've ever done, like when I used to live back in Atlanta, I had my parents to protect me. And if they couldn't, Paula, I knew you could protect me. And if you couldn't, I knew my boyfriend could protect me. Like I, I knew I could always be like cuddled and coddled. Yeah. Could, someone would always be there for me and I would never have to fall that hard. Yeah. And then when I moved to LA with literally nothing, no, nothing. Like I didn't have anything with me. I didn't, didn't really yet have a job. I didn't, I just knew that this was the next best step for me. And now I'm like, Oh, I proved to myself like out here. I don't have my parents. I don't have you. I don't, don't have, I'm not in a relationship. I'm single, you know, like I have had to have my own back a lot and I've had to sit in that discomfort a lot. But the more that I do it, I'm like, I'm fine because in the past, like I, I just knew that I would always be saved in one way or another. And that felt really good. But I also had a lot of fear that mm -hmm. continued to build and build. And then once I came out here and I started doing a whole bunch of things that were really uncomfortable and I was facing that fear head on and proving to myself that I was going to be, a, was going to be okay. And that I could do the hard things and get even stronger. Now I do realize that I, the fear can only have such a grasp on me. It, it has a grasp on me, grasp on me until I can come back, still myself and be like, okay, we got this. We always got this. And we've had this for a minute now. So we can continue to have this moving forward. Mm hmm yeah. Yeah. It's important to challenge our fear threshold. Yeah. Yeah. Doing the hard things, man. It's, it's true. Doing the things that scare you. That is a fast route to building your confidence. Mm -hmm. It really is doing the things that you, if you think you can't live without something or a friendship or any toxic situation or prove to yourself that you can not only live without it, but you can thrive. And honestly, when you free yourself of the fears that are holding you down, you fly way higher because right now you're capping the limit to how high you can rise and how much you can accomplish and how you, you can be because there's baggage that's weighing you down. But when you free yourself of all those things and you face it head on, there's literally no limit. And you realize I'm in charge of this, me, not you, not them, not anyone, not anything, me. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking in, in exposure therapy, like it's all about that, that that's the premise of it. Um, I had a, uh, one, it's a work that they, part of the work sometimes for clients that are afraid of like being embarrassed, uh, which is something I've definitely struggled with throughout my life is to actually go out there and intentionally embarrass yourself. So oh while you're God. talking, I know, right. 
like to actually do embarrassing things and realize that you are okay. And like to feel the cringe. If life is already embarrassing, why not just, just go out in public and, and be normal? Why do you have to do the extra step of getting more embarrassed? You know what I mean? Kinda. Like if it's embarrassing to like be social, like what, I guess more specific, like what is, what is your example? I guess to kind of get to the other side of it, because if it's like embarrassing, for example, Embarrassing is a, I, I, that's a really interesting emotion that I want to get to understand more because I'm like that it's shame, it's a powerful one. Yeah. It's shame, but with a slightly different flavor. Yeah. Cause it's like social. Mm-hmm. It's about social inclusion and, and social rejection. Um, for example, if you find it embarrassing that of doing the wrong thing in public, or making, you know, like not standing in line in just the right way, like just wanting to to be to like not ruffle any feathers, like not attract any attention to you. And there's ways to go out there and socialize and keep doing that and still keep that embarrassed little nugget as part of your your coping mechanism or as part of your psychic makeup by like just kind of staying put. Mm hmm. So I, I had a, I, I know a therapist that like would go to the mall with her clients, um, and, and have like a bag of tampons in her purse. And she would just in the food court, like suddenly pretend to drop her whole purse. <laughs> and you have to think like her, the client would be somebody that's like very much about like being proper. Yeah. So it was like literally a nightmare. And she had this therapist had such a good sense of humor that she was cracking up the whole time. <laughs> I want to be friends with this person. Okay. I know. <laughs> she was cracking up the whole time. So it like starts to, you can use humor can be very therapeutic. I think especially for something like embarrassment, humor can be particularly powerful. Another time she was giving a presentation and um, on exposure therapy and we leave the presentation room and she's talking to people, people are asking her questions and suddenly she's like, she starts shaking her leg because she feels something in her pants and <laughs> a pair of underwear came out of her pants because you know, like when you wash your clothes, sometimes yeah. your underwear gets stuck to the inside of your clothes. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> this is like a really professional setting. Um, and again, she was just like cracking up about it. And she's like, well, exposure therapy for me. Like, there you go. There's a form of exposure. I love and that. She, and she used to have really strong social anxiety. Oh, so it's like by intentionally not trying yeah. to not embarrass herself, she started to get to the other side of it. Like every time she would give a presentation, like something would always go wrong. <laughs> something would always go wrong inadvertently sooner or later. And she just had learned to laugh at herself and be like, exposure therapy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's the premise. That's the idea yeah. of intentionally kind of like embarrassing yourself in a way. Okay and framing as exposure therapy so that your threshold threshold changes. Cause maybe for a lot of us who embarrassment has been 
one of the feared experiences. Uh, we've learned to just like hide a lot of things, a lot of aspects of ourselves, so that like the chances of that happening don't take place. But then if you're like, oh, okay, well, shit, like I'm a mess. <laughs> this is a mess. Like whatever. Here you go. <laughs> we need to get we need to get my mom to hang out with someone who needs exposure therapy and embarrassment. I don't even know how embarrassment is part of my psychic makeup though because with I our hung parents? out I hung out with my mom my whole maybe that made it and worse. my dad. Are you kidding me? Maybe right that now? made it worse. Our parents, I wish that we had a reality show because they would be superstars are ruthless. Oh my God. I remember being in elementary school and my dad coming to have lunch with me and him being like, give me, and you know, kids sometimes are embarrassed of their parents. I was one of them sometimes. Yeah, me too. And my dad would be like, I remember one specific instance, my dad was like, um, come give me a hug and kiss goodbye. And everyone had already gotten in a line to go back to, you know, so everyone was right there. I was like, I cannot do that in front of all these people. Like I cannot hug you and kiss you in front of all these people. And he's like, say bye to me after having lunch with me. And I'm like, no, stop this man. We're in the, oh, in the, I ro remember the rotunda in front of the principal's office. He lays down <laughs> on the ground on his. I feel like I'm making this up. This is how unreal it still feels. <laughs> I'm not making this up, by the way. But this is how I'm like having an outer body experience. He literally lays down on his back. On the floor in front of everyone until I went and hugged him. And I was like. But and he thought it was hilarious and everyone was laughing. And I'm like, this is abuse. <laughs> they were they were an ongoing exposure therapy. Oh, experiment. my God. They're, they're hilarious. They're yeah. so funny. Now they're just hilarious. Oh, yeah. Them. I remember when I was in middle school and I, I was getting to hang out with all the cool kids at the pool and everybody was like, I was like, you know, yeah, like I'm with the cool kids. We're all at the pool hanging out there. And my mom, my mom had this thing where she would wear like all these clothes, like almost like, like a <laughs> diver. Yeah, she wore clothes in the pool when she was swimming laps because she was protecting herself from the sun and flippers and which like is, big goggles, which like, OK, maybe for adults, like we don't care. But you and know, a kids, hat. This woman was fully clothed, <laughs> fully clothed, fully clothed and then and it's so crazy because as adult as an adult now if I see that I'm just like okay well, that's what they like doing but as kids it's like you almost you don't want anything to stand out you want to like that it's an interesting thing I, I think it's more common as kids and like parts yeah. of that maybe stick with us but I wonder why we just like don't want to like you don't want to stand out that's in true any way that isn't like somehow you fantastic or something like <laughs> anything that like you don't want to stand out no that's, that's super and that's like a bigger conversation into authenticity later on in our life but continue yeah that's why I started thinking about this I was like why is this like you know I oh yeah so we're at the pool and suddenly like my mom just like is floating around in there like I don't know if she's relaxing on the in the pool or something but she's literally like head down just like floating in the water <laughs> <laughs> like and a then, limp body just like a limp body just almost like meditating like with her flippers and her hat and I'm like hanging out with the cool kids and suddenly she in her outfit up, in her outfit and suddenly she just floats up 
right in the middle of the circle. <laughs> and one of the guy go, one of the guys go, uh, dude, why does that lady have on all her clothes? <laughs> and I was just like, do I say something? <laughs> <laughs> do I admit? <laughs> like, I feel like I have to. I was like, I remember I was just like, uh, that's my mom. <laughs> And I wanted to just like go under that pool and disappear, which is so interesting. It's like anything that is slightly different, you don't want. It is. And then it's like that one kid who's able to be like, that's my mom and like own it. They're yeah. like the cool ones moving forward. Yeah. Which is like, I think really equivalent to people who really make it in the like art and entertainment and creative fields. Yeah. When they're really, really able to own themselves. And yeah. not really need and not need approval or validation other than the ones that they can give themselves. <laughs> yeah. Then they can like get to where they want to be. Totally. You know? So I think yeah. I think a lot of us have a fear of stepping out on our own apart from these corporate jobs because we don't know if we can do it on our own. Yeah. And like we also learned that like you have to appear so professional or you have to like have all your shit together for people to take you seriously, which is why that therapist was such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Because she she's a freaking millionaire. Like she made it. She's a boss when That's it what comes I'm saying. to this stuff. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm starting to become more conscious of that inner dialogue inside of me. That's like, this is so embarrassing. Like, oh, this is so embarrassing. And it's almost like funny. Yeah. It's funny if you kind of keep going with it and just like, here we go. Like, Own yourself from beginning to end. <laughs> Yeah, like that just makes me think of like Kanye West, who does the craziest things, but this man's going to get whatever he wants because he's still going to own it at the end of it. Well, I don't know, but he's going to be he's going to continue to be himself. You know, it's there's some inspiration that comes from, you know, drawing on that, giving yourself. Full validation the entire way through and not needing to get not needing someone else to validate your existence. You know, yeah. it's kind of like that blinders up situation that I talked about earlier. Like, mm -mm, I'm going to keep doing me. Right. And not letting yourself give in to perfectionism. Because mm -hmm. I think when, especially when the fear of embarrassment has been a part of your psychic experience, um, perfectionism is so alluring. Mm -hmm. It's so alluring. It's like, I will, you know, minimize what I show, how I show up, only show things when they're perfectly ready and perfectly done. That way I can make sure that I'm never embarrassed. But then also you don't, you show up a third of the time that you normally would, because by the time you get anything to look perfect, you miss so many opportunities mm -hmm. to put yeah. yourself out there and make connections and interact and chances are somebody's still going to get value from what you're offering, even if you don't think so. Like, but the only way is to just keep putting yourself out there. Yeah. And even like if we're speaking in terms of a career or something like that, putting your art out there, you develop it as you go. But if you wait until the, until it's absolutely perfect, you're going to wait forever. Yeah, for sure. Or even I've like building relationships and friendships. If you wait until you feel like you're presentable enough, you know, you're going to, yeah the shame is only going to build stronger.
Mm-hmm. Once you can just go out there and be like, I might be insecure and anxious and embarrassed for the first hour, maybe the entire time, but it's a step forward. It's a step <laughs> forward. You know, like I'm, I just, I want to, you got to get it, you know, get it over with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think if you can, I know that if you can start reframing every embarrassing, potentially embarrassing moment or hard moment as a form of exposure therapy, it, it helps to kind of like face into that. Mm-hmm. So like, Oh, there I go. I'm increasing my threshold in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth it. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. It just creates, you are, it creates a life that you're able to live and not want to escape from when you start yeah. facing these things and slowly free yourself. And, yeah. and when I, I wanted to mention this one part on, you know, before we, I don't, again, I did not look at the time before we started this. So I have no idea how deep we are into this. We're, we're ready to be done. (laughs) (laughs) Did you want to say something before I, I kind of just go back to my little new year's reference? No, go back to it. Well, so, okay. So then that day after I, I jumped into, I was feeling lonely and a bit empty in my heart. And I did tell myself, I'm like, okay, I don't want to have resistance to this. Cause then it's just going to make it worse. I, and I asked the universe, always call on the universe. Always. That's what I do. And I asked, I'm like, I am I'm going to honor the sacredness of the grief and the aloneness that I'm feeling. You know, it doesn't mean that I am a lonely person. It doesn't mean that I don't have friends. It doesn't mean that, you know, life sucks. This is just what it is. And I ask to be delightfully surprised with however my day turns out whether I'm with people, whether I'm not, I surrender to what is. And I ask to be delightfully surprised. And I ended up having a beautiful night that night, beautiful night. I linked up with my neighbors. It was super quaint and intimate. And we had fun, deep conversations, woke up the next morning, got breakfast together. And it was great. I, I think as long as we don't let these experiences signify that we are low value Mm -hmm. or low worth, then we can stay open to what the situation has to offer us. Right. Uh, But I think that's where the trap often is for humans. It's like when I'm in a moment that is embarrassing (laughs) or in a moment where I don't, it's a special occasion and I'm not with anyone we have to build an immune like a psychological immune system against believing that that means that we are low worth. And I think even as kids, like you kind of do experience that as being low worth. Yeah. Like if you don't have friends at school, the first experience of like being in peer groups, if you don't have friends or somebody for special occasions, like that's kind of a traumatic experience because you don't, social inclusion is everything as a child. 
it still is an adult, but as a child, it's like extra, like that's your focus developmentally. And especially if we felt that as a child, then we're going to feel that as an adult, unless we work through it. Yeah. So it's important to challenge any ounce of perfectionism that wants to creep in because that's, what's going to keep it in place. Mm -hmm. You know, like that day on New Year's, you could have been like, oh my God, I can't let anybody know. I'm having the that. time of my life over here, everyone. <laughs> Big parties. <laughs> Me and my hummingbirds. <laughs> you blast the music. <laughs> Turn on the lights. Oh, I got a noise complaint. <laughs> <laughs> right? I can't let anybody know. Then you wouldn't have had the opportunity. And I think... No. And I wouldn't have had the opportunity to see that I'm really, really open for community. Like I'm really actually ready. It was a surprise to me how open I was Yeah. to just experience connection with connection with people. Like it didn't have to be specific people who I only specifically feel a certain way around. And I feel it was like, I just want to be in the midst of different identities and learn things from each other and have conversations. And you don't even have to be into the things that I'm into. Like, I just want to grow and I want to experience the chameleons that are all around me and the different people. That's great. Yeah. And I mean, like I said earlier, I, it's, I mean, where we are now, especially with the pandemic, I, I can feel lonely on some days, especially if you don't have a partner you know, and my friends are in partnerships and if your family's far away or whatever the circumstances are. But just going back to kind of what we said of allowing this space to be sacred too and open ourselves up to what this time wants to show us, it can be a really healing time in our life if we don't have resistance to it and if we don't make ourselves wrong for being. In yeah. This. Like if we only can keep from buying into the idea that we are, I'm just thinking of so many potentially embarrassing situations I can get myself into. Um, <laughs> I keep having like intrusive thoughts of embarrassing situations. Clearly embarrassment. Is it something you go through or what? <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Paula's you're funny. You can get yeah. into some funny situations for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> if what? you can convince, share one. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you can convince yourself that you are not. Oh my God, wait. Hold on. <laughs> Do you remember? What? <laughs> okay, say this. Speak the wisdom you were about to share with us. If you can just work with yourself with yourself in a way that you are not low value, no, just because the circumstances don't look presentable, <laughs> <laughs> then you'll be free. It's true. The circumstances could be your social life. It could be your financial life. It could be your appearance. It could be your career. So many things that we put that stamp of needs perfectionism on. Yeah. And if you just set the intention too of like, I am ready for more community, 
Like that's Mm -hmm. one of my intentions of 2022 is being open to the different communities that are going to present themselves to me and not needing them to look like just, you know, what I think my community looks like, like actually opening myself up to all different kinds of people. Yeah. I'm so down for that. I'm, and I know it's going to happen. So if it's something that it is lacking in your life, you can set the intention and just be ready to expose yourself a little bit more and more and say yes. When the next opportunity comes around or intentionally place yourself in situations, you know? Well, you know, what's crazy. Like when you're on here talking about feeling lonely or feeling like you didn't have friends at certain moments, I think most, I know most people are afraid of saying things like that out loud because they believe that if other people hear that, that that's going to cloud their perception of them and they're going to be seen as lower value. When in reality, when you open up to that and you say those things, most people are like, they secretly have struggled with that at some point or other. And it actually makes you more accessible. That's what I'm starting to realize. Yeah. I'm really starting to realize that with what I put out into on Instagram, for example, because Instagram is a platform where we're pretty active and we share our thoughts. And I think in the past, I'd be like, I don't know if I can, what another thing came in your mind? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. There's so many. I was, okay, I'll say this one. Wait, hold okay. on. I okay, gotta say know. this last thing and then, and then say that. Hold on to it. But there were times where like, I wanted to share my thoughts and I'm like, I don't know. Do I want to put this out there? Because people might be like, who does she think she is talking this way? Or maybe it's not going to resonate with everyone. But now back to my blinders up situation, I'm like, let this fall into the eyes and ears of people who want to see it. And I don't care how many likes or engagements it has. This is for, if, it, if it connects with one person, my purpose on earth is to connect and to help us all come back home to ourselves. So if that's five people. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Like I'm not here for the numbers. I'm not here for the whatever. I'm like, I got to, I, blinders up like we've got a mission we want to connect with people you know like have yourself heard have yourself put yourself out there and not for I think if it's I would say for authenticity yeah I would say that if embarrassment is part of your makeup part of our collective pretty mental intention can be here as a community to let yourself be seen Yeah. Let yourself be seen, like really seen, like get up and do public speaking, (laughs) get up and give a speech, um, go on live, go on live, show yourself like, (laughs) (laughs) dude, do you remember when we did the live with TJ? (laughs) (laughs) If you guys have been following us for a while. We did a live during the beginning of the pandemic, me, Paula, and the beautiful sacred TJ, who's been on our podcast twice, who is an angelic human being. And we were going to do, we were going to go live and Paula was going to do the therapy portion. And TJ, I think was guiding us in a meditation. And I was leading us in a breathwork exercise, kind of like a relief to everyone during the pandemic when it first started. And (laughs) TJ gracefully did hers. And this was one of the first times, if not the first that we ever went live. So we were nervous. Yeah. And me and Paula could not, we were in the middle of doing my breathwork portion exercise and yeah. I busted out laughing and I could not stop laughing. 
<laughs> and Paula then couldn't stop laughing. And TJ was just maintaining her composure. And then Paula had I think to get up. Might, and we might have been a major experience of exposure therapy for TJ in that moment. Paula got up and had to walk into the, all live, y'all, all live. And we had a pretty good following watching us. And Paula got up and went to the other room and abandoned the breathwork exercise midway through. Oh my God, it was such a mess. Oh, it was such a mess. Uh, see, but talking about these things out loud makes them so much lighter because <laughs> I just can laugh at myself in certain moments of embarrassment. I think I'm like, <laughs> my brain is like, oh my God, like <laughs> nobody can ever see this. And then you talk about it and it's like, okay, that's actually hilarious. Right. Once you talk about it in community, like it's actually was- hilarious. What was your example? There's so many like little moments. I don't even know how funny it's going to be when I say it out loud. But like, for example, I have one for you. <laughs> oh, God. For example, <laughs> uh, I don't like being embarrassed. Uh, this is no, become you, a real relevation for me. You said what? the one I have on the podcast before. I OK, think. well, I, I've been making more art again because that's another part of like probably my fear of being embarrassed has creeped into my art process because I'm like, this looks like shit. Like nobody can ever see it. And then the crazy thing is that a lot of times I make art and I'm like, this actually looks fine. Like it's crazy. Like it actually looks fine. And I still, even sometimes my brain will be like, I don't know if I can draw. I don't know if I can draw like that little voice in there. And then I sit there and I start drawing and a full human being pops out. And I'm like, that's wild that there is a voice inside of my head that says, I don't know if I can draw, like, I'm not gonna be able to draw this time. And I'm like, I've been drawing my whole life. Like that's wild. But it's, I think it's that fear of like, this might actually look like shit and I'm going to put it out there and people are going to see it. And like, I think it's the fear of like people also being like <laughs> vicariously embarrassed for you. <laughs> I can't even like, it's crazy because it's too close to you. So you're laughing, but I'm like, how is that embarrassing? But like, that just know. goes to show, like you just made it up and like you've blown it up in your head that it's embarrassing. But on my end, I'm like, you clearly can draw, you know, it's exactly the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. Like cognitive distortions are a real thing. Um, so I did this in a probably like if you saw it, you think it was cool. But I did this other painting the other day where I was like spent all this time making it perfect. And um, because I was in a medium that I normally don't work in. And then I got like the full drawing down and then I went to go paint the eye. This is clearly just like an inner psychological thing for me. I went to go paint the eye and like one of the eyes was like humongous, like fish eye and the other one was little and like actually for art that could look cool but the first thing in my mind is like oh my god this is so embarrassing like (laughs) her face is messed up so I mean it's not funny actually when I say it out loud (laughs) like maybe you had to be in my head yeah but I'm like wow like yeah I mean that drive for perfectionism can make a lot of things embarrassing which is probably why I like drawing with pastels now more than anything, because it's such a quick thing that I actually get to embrace imperfection. So it mm-hmm. becomes like an intentional imperfection versus if you give me acrylics or oils, and this is total art speak, but if you give me acrylics or oils, 
those medium, those types of art mediums are so set that I can, I could spend forever, forever just making it realistic and realistic and realistic and realistic to the point that I am literally brain dead, like just a full on headache from how long I've been working on one portion of this painting, but pastels don't give me that option in the way that my hand tends to move with them. It's like, three strokes done. You got to live with it after that. Yeah. I wish I could come back with some art speak. I know. It's <laughs> I just, now, I'm, now I'm just like getting into art therapy <laughs> scenarios. I'm like, mm-hmm, three strokes, acrylics, oils. Yeah. I mean, that's why art therapy is a thing too. Yeah. Cause most people like haven't practiced that type of communication and it like, it's so primitive because we all used to do it as kids. Mm-hmm. Like it's so original to that fear of like it looking wrong. I think most kids at some point stopped drawing because somebody was like, that doesn't look like a chair. That looks like, like, I can't even tell what that is. And there's something about that. That's so fundamentally like, Oh my God, depending on your temperament. Yeah. (laughs) I think for me, it was like, I will make sure it looks like a chair. I think a lot of creatives are like that with their own art with their own art, whatever it is, whether it's like acting, singing, photography, whatever. I was having this conversation literally, literally yesterday of like my friends who they're photographers and they're like, sometimes I can't look at my stuff for a while because I'll tear it down because it's not perfect enough because Mm -hmm. you know how perfect it can be because you have other friends who are photographers and they're amazing. And like, I have to be amazing too. So yeah. And a lot of all thinking the same damn thing, like the jig is up. Can we just all be imperfect aliens and live our best lives? Like, who are we performing for? Like for real, who are we performing for? Right. Meanwhile, you get somebody like Basquiat that was just like, watch me scribble across this canvas in whatever way I want. And the point here is we have to squash imperfection like a but or uh, not imperfection. We have to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, we have Damn to it. make sure that we're perfect, guys. <laughs> no, we have to squash perfectionism wherever we see it cropping up. Yeah, <laughs> we can probably come up with so many stories. I remember when, like, I I used to have um, I would wear the same pant multiple times in a week. And for some reason, that wasn't embarrassing to me. Like if I got a stain on my pan, I'd be like, well, you'll see it there in a couple of days. Like, ha ha ha. If you care, that's on you. I don't care. Right. And then I remember telling you that story and I think you tried it. Do you remember that? No. All right. This one's falling flat on its face. Just at the end of the day, you guys own yourself <laughs> fully. Imperfectionism is, imper- I don't know if that's a word, but we're just again, I'm like, who are we doing this for? Who are we acting for? Like who, when we can learn to accept ourselves, claim and reclaim our own power and validate our own existence and our own authenticity and not make ourselves wrong for anything or not acting in a certain way. You know, it's like, can we just own ourselves fully, 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 fully and expose ourselves to the shit that holds us back? It's not other, it's like we said in the past, the last podcast that I I put up a thing on Instagram about it. Like, can I see me? It doesn't matter if you can't see me, but can I see me? Yeah. We place our power in the hands of other people. It's not a comfortable process, but it can be a hilarious one. 
And it's worth it. It can be a hilarious one. Okay, let's wrap this up. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in with us, for being in this conversation, on this journey with us. Tune in on Mondays. And yeah, we love you. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. We love you. And remember that all parts of you are welcome here. All of them. And laugh at yourself a little bit. Nos queremos mucho. Nos queremos mucho. Peace out. Bye. Mwah.